Hey, how you doing? Hey, how are you feeling? Um, got the cough and the and the uh, congested uh, sinuses and the headache and stuff. Are you sure you want to do this today? Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to put it off anymore. Well, it's no big deal. <laughs> I don't know if our I, audience is eagerly awaiting this episode or not. I have, you, have you been getting the emails about when our next one is coming out? No, huh? No, I got nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot of content. Yeah, that's okay. I I have a little bit. Um, although we'll just do a short one. Yeah, we could keep it kind of short. I mean, I don't know. It might we might end up going out going on a tangent about something here or there. Uh huh. Um. Now I had this album. I still have it, my vinyl of this album. Do, do, I don't know if you're as familiar with it as I am. Well, I remember. I remember all the photos. I remember the back. I remember the cover photo of the back and the inside. Yeah. You know where it shows him on the TV screen. I don't remember the insides. <laughs> There's wow. um. What's the back? Is that where it shows him his image on a on the TV screen? I don't even remember the back. I have it, but I haven't looked at it. I've just been looking at the at the MP3 and listening to it on. Oh, the- because when you when you play it on um, you know that link you sent me on YouTube, when uh-huh. you when you when you play that link, it uh, it cycles pictures of the album. Oh, cool. Yeah, there's one of him in the chair, which I guess is the front cover. Yeah, yeah. With the nurse standing in the doorway. Yep. And then there's one of him um, playing, and then there's one of him him playing, but the picture's on the TV screen. That sounds familiar. I yeah. That there's like a TV, there's a TV sitting on a stand, like on a mm-hmm. cart, a rolling cart, and it's uh-huh. like they're in a laboratory or something, and that's uh-huh. what's, yeah, he's on the TV. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. It's like kind of bluish looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember um, reading about this album in Circus Magazine. I think it was Circus Magazine because that's usually the one I got back then because this was like 1980, I think, right? So Yeah. um, It was before like all those cheesy metal magazines. It was like... Cream and Hit Parader and all that. Right. And... um, and I read about it, and I just read that the UFO guy left, and he was doing a solo album. And, and so I don't think I ever had a concept of the UFO guitar player being like this great guitar player or anything before that. And but I just liked the review; something about it made me curious, and so I bought the album, and I really liked it. I so, think that's how we started listening to him, but I don't know. That was be- we started that before Strangers in the Night, yeah, huh? Yeah, I think so because it was 1980. Because I didn't even have an electric guitar yet, I don't think. Huh? Well, I remember my brother's band used to do Doctor Doctor. Yeah, well, we used to play. Yeah, so like years before that, you taught me how to play Doctor Doctor when we were real little, like uh-huh. fourth and fifth grade or whatever. Yeah, right. I know we used to play it together. We used to play it on guitar. Right. For sure. Yeah, but so all we, we knew that was that was UFO. We didn't really know Michael yeah. Shaker or yeah, right. Right. And then they used to play two out to handle uh uh-huh. and, and maybe on KLOS uh, or whatever. And yeah, KMT, KLOS. KMT. And um what else did they play? Uh you only you can rock me. And Shoot, love shoot. to love, I think, was a hit. No, I don't think so. Love okay. to love. Well, I don't remember it. I remember from the album, but not from the radio. Uh-huh. Love to love was a hit, I think, on the radio, to a point. I don't even know. I sometimes I in the beginning I thought love to love may have been an AM hit, but I don't know if it really was. Okay. Do you think it was? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I think it like if you look it up, it says that it was one of the, the singles. I think. Yeah. So 
so the timeline is he does two albums with the Scorpions, right? One in seventy two and one in seventy four. I then never he, heard about that. He did Lonesome Crow. That's all I know he, about. Okay, well the what I was digging into said that he did one in seventy two and seventy four. Uh-huh. Then he then he joined UFO and he did five albums with them. Uh-huh. Then he, he quits during the Strangers in the Night tour uh-huh. and um, does a guest spot on Love Drive and then a- and then after that does Michael Shanker group. Yeah. And, and Phil Mogg was like waiting for him to come, waiting for him to return and he's all, we're going to, What's that first album that doesn't have Michael on it? Is that Nowhere to Run? Or No no Place to Hide or something like that? No Place to Run, I think. No Place to Run? I think so. Yeah, he was saying, um, well, we're going to wait for, see if this guy comes back. And he's got until August. And if he doesn't come back before August, then we're just going to have to move on. And then I was looking at the dates of when Nowhere to, No Place to Run came out, and that was in August. So I think they were waiting for him to come back to do that album, and he just never did. You know who produced that album? The No Place to Run. Yeah, or yeah. Are the Armed Armed or the Michael Schenker Group? No, no, no. The, the 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 UFO album, the first one they did without Michael. No, who? It's uh, George, um, the Beatles producer. George oh, George Martin. Martin. Isn't that cool? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Paul Chapman. Right? Or was Paul Chapman with them anyway? Paul Chapman was the guitarist, yeah. And I was looking at the credits today, and Paul Chapman only wrote like one one song on that album. But most of it was Way and Mog, like Pete Way and, and Phil Mog. Uh-huh. And I think um, Phil, Paul Raymond, who plays rhythm guitar and keyboards, that dude, I think, wrote a little bit too. Okay. But... Um, yeah, so I have a lot to talk about, like for this in between stage. Like, oh, cool. Did you ever hear about why Michael left UFO, or how the circumstances? Um. Well, from what are you talking about him, uh, Mog hitting him? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go, go, go ahead. Talk about that. Well, I, I just know that that. The story, I'm remembering the story. Now, Phil denies it, but Schenker says that Phil asked him, like, what would it take for you to leave? And he said, if you hit me, I would leave. And then he hit him. <laughs> then he left. He, want, he, the, he wanted to leave? Of course he wanted to leave, but... Well, I don't know. I mean, he... Look, this is what I want to get into. This is like a okay. big topic for me with Michael now because I've been okay. watching interviews for a few years. And I have some, some inside information from Paul Chapman because I told you I met Paul Chapman before. Uh-huh. And um, all we did was ask him about Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Me and this guy went, drove down to, uh, I think it was uh, Manhattan Beach or something. I can't remember how far down it was. but Was it the was guy far- who met us? In Corona, when we saw Michael Schenker play, was there a dude there? Yeah, he had like signed, signed albums. When he said, "Yeah, I got this album signed by Michael Schenker," and I met him after the show, and he said, "He, yeah, he said I, I won't sign right. it here, I won't sign it here, but run to the car." And then they both took yeah, off running to the car. Yeah, okay, that's okay. Yeah, he he somehow got in touch with me, and he said, "Hey." I need a ride to this gig, but if you want to go meet, you know, see Paul Chapman play with this other band, um, you know, we, I know where the show is. It's this afternoon. It was like a daytime show. Uh huh. And uh, oh shit, I'm excited to hear this. Is good. <clears throat> so we drove down, and, and the band was like, it was a tiny little club, tiny little club, and I mean, and there, there was hardly anybody there. And they were not good. I I wanted to like them, but they just they had no good songs that I could tell. Sometimes you need to hear things more than once. I don't like to judge bands, but yeah. I didn't think their songs were strong. Um, 
but then they played Doctor Doctor, <laughs> and it was like fucking cool, you know. Um, which I don't think he played on that album or anything, but uh, or he maybe he did play on that album. I mean, he he they say that he was in the band at the same time as Michael, and he told us that too. He said like there's some like live footage where he's soloing and Michael's in a band, you know. Uh-huh. So now is he um, left-handed? Or was their bassist left-handed? Some somebody would in UFO was playing left-handed. Well, it was either is either a rhythm because I was going, oh wow, rhythm guitarist with UFO because it was Michael on stage and him. Maybe and then, it was Paul Raymond. I don't know, dude. Maybe that's a good yeah. Question. Yeah, that's a good question. And it was a one, one guy's playing like an explorer bass. Uh-huh. And and then the other guy is playing like I don't know what it was, but it was it was left handed. Huh. I don't know. I, I mean, they've had other members too, so I don't know. Okay, so you go and they play Doctor Doctor. They play Doctor Doctor, which is great. And um, then after the show, he's just hanging out. And that guy, that guy was like, "Hey, man, can you do a?" Well, he works for KLOS too, that guy. He wanted to get him to make, to record, he wanted to record intros for his, for KLOS. Hey, this is Paul Chapman from UFO and you're listening to KLOS. Then he goes, could you do one for my podcast? He's like, this is, uh, you know, Paul Chapman from UFO and you're listening to the blah, blah, blah podcast. And I was like, shit, I have a podcast too. Like, oh man, why didn't you ask him? Uh Um, So, but anyway, so we started talking to him about, UFO and stuff. And he said, he said, now this is from him. Okay. Other people have different, different uh, stories about the name Tonka that they, that his, his nickname was Tonka. He right. said to us, this dude told us that Phil Mock gave him the name Tonka, not because he was a badass and like to fight and stuff, which is what other people say, like fucking what's the, what's the fat dude that does the radio show? Um, uh, trunk. Yeah, that, like that guy says they called him Tonka because he was a badass. No, he said that they called him Tonka. Phil called him Tonka because Phil made him drive the truck all the time, <laughs> <laughs> or the bus, or whatever. Like, you know. so okay. that's what that's what he told us. And um, and the other thing they told us was that other than that he played, you know, with Michael and UFO, that when Michael got in the band, he didn't speak English. And these guys would just talk shit about him, call him names right in front of his face and laugh because he didn't know what they were saying. So here's Uh a 17 year old kid with these older dudes, you know, fresh out of, you know, the Scorpions because he was on the tour of the Scorpions. They grabbed him and that's how they treated him. That's wow. how they treated him. They they would make fun of him and call him names and stuff, and he couldn't understand them because he didn't speak English. So imagine that, like, you know. Now, is that why he was picking up all these religious pamphlets and reading them? Because he was trying to learn English? I don't know anything about that. Oh, uh, that's what that's what Mog said, is while they were on tour, that Michael could barely speak English, but he was always picking up all these religious pamphlets and reading them. Mm. So maybe, maybe he was just he trying to get familiar with English or something. Maybe. I mean, okay. I know that he's curious about a lot of stuff and, you know, he wanted to better himself as a human being. And, but that wasn't really the, that wasn't really where he was at that time. I don't think. Uh-huh. I think maybe, excuse me, maybe that's what he was doing. But so that's one thing I know about Michael getting treated like shit by the guys in UFO. And, okay. and then the, the other thing about Phil hitting him. So imagine if he's in that kind of environment with these guys and they're treating him that way. I'm not saying they all did because he says that Pete Way was like a really sweet guy. Uh-huh. Um, now, you know, I could see him. I think he had problems with Phil because he talks about it when they got back together, how Phil, you know, promised that things were going to change and then they went right back to where they were and Michael left again. Um because he's famous for walking off stage in the middle of a song or whatever, just bailing. And I was always curious about that, even as a kid. I was like, I never heard. I would never yeah, me too. Stories. Like, 
I think he drank because he was really scared to go on stage. He says he had stage fright. So I think he drank before he went on stage. Maybe there was alcohol involved. But, you know, I think that they didn't treat, I don't think they treated him. I don't think they appreciated him. I think they used him. So then he goes and he gets, he leaves UFO and he gets, he, Rudolf Schenker, now you know what the Scorpion sounded like in the 70s, right? Yeah. It's pretty shitty, right? Like, Are you talking about with Ulrich Roth? Yeah. Yeah, like Tokyo tapes? Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, what's, it's not what's the that? same. Well, um, yeah, yeah, it's not the same, right? They they weren't going to make it in, in the U.S. in the eighties. No, that sound, right? Uh-uh. So, Schenker, Rudolf Schenker, begged. This is Michael talking. Begged Michael to get back in the band. So they had they had Matthias, but they weren't sure if they're going to use him. I don't know. They I think they kicked Matthias out, or Matthias had to leave. Or something. I think they kicked him out to get Michael back in. And Michael came in. They did Love Drive. Right. He says he played on all the songs. Maybe he didn't play solos on all the songs, but he says he played on all the songs. The credits originally only gave him credit for like three songs. Coast to Coast, Love Drive, and... Holiday, I think. I don't know. I think Other Piece of Meat. I think he's on that one, too. Another Piece of Meat. Yeah, okay. I think that's the solo he did. Or he says he wrote Holiday, and they never gave him credit for it, or co-wrote it or something. Okay. I mean, he says all this stuff about his brother. Like, my brother has no rhythm. He can't play guitar. Matthias can't play guitar. You know, like, he says all this crazy stuff about him. <laughs> but have you heard the story about, you know, the, the stuff between him and Rudolph? Um, no, I've heard some of, some of what you're talking about. Can you talk about that? Huh? Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, I was thinking, well, I just think it ties in with this album because he went through, you know, he, they, they tried to get him in the band. He's he's playing, you know, touring with them and um, he, did, he did a partial tour with them, like, which is pretty badass, but he left. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe, maybe he, I don't think he was aware that they were going to rip him off and screw him over yet. Okay. But maybe it was subconscious. I don't know. But um, they did. They they you know they didn't give him credit for stuff. They told, they made up a story about Love Drive on the box set. He says and and you know he says that they're liars. He said that the only one with any talent is Klaus Klaus and that they're a bunch of assholes and. Uh huh. Which is weird because he played with the drummer and the bass player when we saw him. Right, and and so that, cool. and he plays with them a lot. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know why he says that. He's probably talking about the two guitar players and uh, the singer when he says Klaus is the only one with the talent. Uh-huh. But anyway, so then he then he leaves them and he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go do my own thing." I mean, it says he, you know, he auditioned for bands, he auditioned for Aerosmith and stuff. He said someone was making Nazi jokes and he stormed out. Um, but he and and it says Ozzy called him after Randy died to try to get him in his band and and he ended up not doing it Um, so then he makes this album and I just love that the first song on the album is Armed and Ready you know Uh because it's just like it's like revenge you know yeah yeah and he just fucking nails it. <laughs> oh yeah, that song just keeps moving from the beginning to end. Yeah, it's amazing what he can do with just a three-note power chord. All these songs he's got, you know, like, you know, your song's got like all these different. You try to do different chord variations, and mm-hmm. like he just uses these same chords, and he can make like so many songs out of just power chords. Is I just like, yeah. it's amazing. He's just like a riff machine that. There's no end. Yeah. 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 Well, so so he gets in his band. I think part of the thing he wanted was a singer who wasn't going to be an, an egomaniac. And so he found this guy, Gary Barden, who was like an obscure guy in a small band. And um, 
And in the album says band members, or at least on Wikipedia, it says band members, Michael Shanker, guitar, Gary Barton, vocals. Then below that, it says session musicians. And then it has the, the other people. Yes, yeah, Simon Phillips, Mo Foster, and Don Airy. Yeah, so Simon Phillips, you know, you know who he played with, right? Um, I forget now, but who was it? Well, the big band he played with was The Who. <laughs> like, who? that dude, The Who. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I went and saw The Who. Um, I, ne- I never was a fan, but I went and saw them at the Coliseum out here in the 80s with some friends who had an extra ticket. Uh-huh. And it was Simon Phillips on drums, and it was fucking unbelievable, dude. It was so good. Like, I was like... I. I guess I liked The Who because when I saw them live, I was really into it. <laughs> but I never bought one of their albums. Right. But anyway, yeah, so he's played with Judas Priest on Sin After Sin, played with Jeff Beck, played with a lot of people. That dude. Okay. Um, Gary Moore. And, um, I mean, that's like the best drummer he could get, I think. So he, he got that dude. Mo Foster has played with a lot of people, including Gary Moore as well, which is kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Who also, Don Airy played with Gary Moore. So maybe Gary Moore, like, recommended those guys. I don't know. Oh, maybe. <laughs> huh. But the producer was... Who was the producer? Roger. Roger Glover. And he's... He's he produced Sin After Sin, so it's kind of a small world. Uh, now Steve As Purple's we, bass player, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, how? And Rainbow. Right. How much producing do you think he did on this? It seems like you, with, if you're working with Michael Schenker, there wouldn't be much to produce. Well, I guess like. it depends on what what he does. You know, like. I, I don't know what this guy, what people, different producers have different styles, you know? Well, if he's the one that's responsible for the backing vocals on this album, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he screwed it up. Really? But, yeah, the backing, have you listened to, like, just the backing vocals? I don't know what you mean by just. Not just, but have you, like, concentrated on those while you're listening to the song? I thought they were really good, so I don't know. Oh, I thought they sound like crap. And some of the harmony, the harmony notes that they picked out are like, um, what's the word? Unorthodox or something? I don't know. I just didn't. I just they yeah. They don't. They're not clear. In my opinion, they're not clear. They sound like totally um, like over over echoed or whatever. Huh. They just don't sound good to me at all. Well, what I liked about him is it sounds like he did a lot of takes, a lot of a lot of layers of of harmonies, and that's what I like to do. And so I don't know, I liked it, but I don't think that they should be loud. I think they should be in the background. That's why I like them. But um, I don't well, know. you know how Van Halen's backing vocals are like nice and crisp, and cl- these ones sound like buried. Yeah, not, not that they're not loud; they sound buried. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just did. I just. It just bugged me listening to the whole album. That's just me, huh. though. Yeah, but I like the I like the um, Gary Barton's voice and and the way he sings. Yeah, and I, I I liked the singing. I just didn't like the way that the backing vocals were mixed. Right, right. Huh. Yeah, maybe, maybe next time you listen to it, it's kind of key in on that. Or you already well, did, but you like it. Yeah, I like. I don't like the back the vocals too loud. I like to know what the lead is and what the backup is. I don't like to get mixed up. I like to hear the melody, and I like to hear the harmony as harmony. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the drums sound great. It's got a real '70s kind of natural sound, but it's a little bright, like the '80s. Uh huh. The guitar tone, I think, is perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And it was yeah. uh, number eight in the UK. And then the 2009 reissue's got eight bonus tracks on it. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. I can't listen to them. I don't. Like, okay, I, don't I, like, I usually don't I like bonus tracks. I haven't heard those, so. Yeah, they're not that good. Okay. 
in my opinion. They're just demos and shit, right? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, yeah, there's songs that aren't on the album, and I don't think I can hear why they didn't make the album. Okay. To me, to me. Um, so the interesting thing about this album, to me, one thing is that, I mean, this was like the beginning of like the metal era, right? But right. it wasn't quite there yet. Like it was just like the very beginning of it. But he's doing those kinds of muted riffs that like metal guitar players do, uh-huh. which he didn't really do a lot of in UFO. I don't know if he did it at all in UFO, except on like Lights Out, where he did the galloping thing. Dun, 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 you know? Yeah. Like, did he do? Do you remember him doing like kind of dun, 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 like that kind of thing? Um, in UFO, no, no, but he did like the like um. Mother Mary is kind of funky, like uh, yeah, he did like funky um, stuff. kind of like feels like uh, feels like a good thing. Yep. Um, that's kind of has that same kind of that F sharp funky thing to it. But no, yeah. I, I know what you're saying. Other than that, um, not really. Yeah. So like the this this was interesting because he he started to do that, but it still it still was early enough to where the guitar <laughs> sounded like a like a you know like a good amp it didn't sound like a one of those metal amps i don't know what they use what did those guys use they, they use solid state it just didn't yeah. sound the same right um but this you know this album the rhythm is like really crisp and um i think it sounds great yeah it does probably he used the same old marshall that he used to use the answer i was thinking probably is marshall yeah. So, what else did I write? So it's interesting that he uses the riff in the middle of the song from "Victim of Illusion," which is the third song. Right. That? Yeah, I did. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Lo- I love that solo. <laughs> that solo is like. One of my favorite solos. Yeah, me he too. He just opened that that album with a great fucking song. Yeah. So I don't know if we want to go song by song. I mean, um, is there anything that stands out to you? Unarmed and ready. Well, just like in general, if you want to go, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to remember enough about every song to say much about it. Well, cry for the nations. That one. Mm-hmm. The solo's great on that, and uh, kind of reminded me of an Iron Maiden vocal, uh-huh. which Iron Maiden, you know, like a later Iron Maiden vocal, yeah. not like they, not like he was copying it or anything. Right, right. Yeah, but just the kind of the feel of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it's got a pretty cheesy intro. But it gets good right away when the right right. Come in. <laughs> um, and victim of illusion was always one of my second favorite on that album. Um, yeah, and the solo really on that. Good groove. Yeah, it does. I I dig that a lot. Um, what I was talking about with the harmony vocals, kind of. That's one of the songs that it kind of. Is, would be one of my examples of mm. sounds weird, but uh, the solo on that one, I think he just winged it. You know how Randy would yeah. do a solo just to mm-hmm. fill the space. It mm-hmm. kind of that solo kind of has that feel of him just filling the space. It's weird, yeah. man. I mean, I wonder if he works out his solos or if he just fucking goes for it, or if he does different things. Right. Sometimes he completely like improvises the solo like like um lights out he improvises the solo right it's almost never uh-huh. the same but then you watch him play into the arena and he does the solo exactly the same exactly he, to this day mm-hmm. it's weird i don't know yeah so i don't know if that solo is you know i don't know what these solos are and i don't i've never heard anybody ask him like how do you do your solos 
you know, live. I never. Well, well, let's not live, but in the studio. Let's get him on the show. <laughs> that would be cool. I've got questions. I know you got yeah. questions. I don't know, so, man. He's he's great. He's got a lot of interviews. Uh huh. I sent you one today from his uh, Flying V uh, documentary. Did you email it? I texted it to you. It's like outtakes from his from the Flying V documentary where they, they did it for everybody who participated and they post all the outtakes on YouTube. It's really good, man. Why didn't I see that you brother. sent that to me? I didn't see that you sent that to me. I texted it. Huh. Okay. Maybe I'll email it just so you have it. But, um, okay. And then do you have any more on that? Um, well, just that the groove is really good. And I think the groove helps the solo be really good. You know, yeah. it's really catchy. Um, the next song is an instrumental. Now, these are like my two favorite rock ex- instrumentals and they're on this album. I don't like rock instrumentals, really. Right. Michael's are like... Except Michael has some instrumental albums, and I don't really, I, I never really listen to him that much. I should probably listen to him a lot more. Yeah, well, I'm going to start with this one and, and move through his albums because um, I love his playing, but I never really got like got a hold of each album and, and listened to it. Yeah. The, the other album that I'd like to talk about sometime, maybe. Well, unless there's other ones you want to talk about, which I'm happy to talk about anything you want to talk about. But um, Assault Attack is my next favorite. Yeah, I'm down with that. That's just fucking amazing, that album. Um, So this Bajou Pleasurette song, instrumental, um, is pretty incredible, man. Is it like a Mozart feel or something, huh? That classical. Yeah, it feels that, to me like Bach. It feels a lot like the stuff that Yngwie did later. Mm-hmm. But and that legato it, run in the middle of it is just awesome. Yeah, and he does a harmony of that. Then he brings back the main melody <coughs> over that, which is yeah. just like beautiful, man. It's really yeah. beautiful. I mean, it just shows like this level of musical maturity that not very many rock and roll people have. Right. I it was, it was pretty amazing. And way back, that was before, uh, what's the fucking Steeler or Inve and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he did it with class too, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know how much Blackmore did that shit, but I guess he did it too. That's what he gets credited also with, like, doing classical sort of thematic mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but I don't know if anybody ever did it better than this song, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah it's so really fucking nice. good. Like, it's, like, listenable. It's not stupid. It's just... Really, really good. Yeah. Um, feels like a good thing. Yeah. This has that kind of funky, natural thing, sort of yep. rhythm. Um, yeah. And I really love the drum intro. The drums on this whole album are just fucking good. I love Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, no. I the way he uses his tension and release, he's like a master at it. And this one of those songs that, you know, good example of that. Uh, what about that solo, though? No, it's I'm like, not going to remember it. Is that the one you it's said like, sounds like, it's like laughing? Yeah, it's like a country... Almost like he's oh, making yeah, fun yeah, of yeah, country... Yeah. But not. Yeah, and um, and it sounds like the guitar is just like laughing, cracking up. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like it's really country country sure. licks in a it, with a rock flavor, or rock licks with a country flavor, or something. Yeah. And I've I've never heard him do it to that extent on any other song like the way he did it on that one. He really That's can my, like go into a mood and and just like become a character in a solo. Yeah. And only do it once, and like never do it again. Mm-hmm. He's, that's that's exceptional to me that he can do that. It's yeah. really amazing. You know, he says like his art is lead guitar, and and that uh, you know he's a painter, and um, that like the band is his sort of canvas. You know. Uh huh. And the whole purpose of the whole song is <laughs> I'm I'm saying this. The whole purpose of the whole song seems to be like for him to do a solo. <laughs> but the songs are good. I mean that's like Ingve too, but the songs are good. Right. In the case of Michael most of the time. I don't think they're so good lately. But you know he did an album with Gary Barden in like two thousand eight that's really good. Oh, really? Really good. Yeah, he did another Gary Barden album. And I just found out about it like a year ago or two. That's the thing. He's got all these albums that you can't know, even dude. keep up with him. Who, I know. Who do you know that has released so many albums? That catalog of work, that catalog of work is so extensive. Nobody. No. Yeah. But I, I did, I, I did, I did feel like um feels like a good thing the the song kind of fell apart after the solo yeah it's not one of my favorite songs yeah and it almost sounds I like, like they, to it, but... yeah it, yeah i do too but i've been listening to it a lot lately because of the show and i got really kind of sick of the whole album but <laughs> well but when i first started listening to it i i enjoyed it go ahead well it was what amazed me was um, I hadn't listened to the album in what like thirty years or so, and all these melodies were still like locked in my brain. And then okay. as I'm yeah. as I'm listening to them, my head's already hearing the next line. I go, oh shit! I yeah. haven't heard that in thirty years, and the next line's already popping in my head. That's great. So you are yeah, familiar so, with the album? Yeah, yeah. You must have gotten a copy of it or something. A tape of from it. you. Yeah, from you. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were familiar with that once once we Well, me neither it. until I started listening to it and I was like, "Oh, yeah." Oh, yeah. cool. Cool. Yeah. Um okay. So, into the arena. That's another great tension and release. It's got those sweet melodic breaks in there, you know. I was tripping at how he plays it. You sent me that video of him um, sometime this year, and he's playing it exactly as he did on, like, you know, like 30 years ago. And how, does, how does he remember? Oh, he's got a million licks, and he remembers them all. I know. And just, yeah. he's like an alien, dude, <laughs> with a computer computer for a brain. Yeah, and he's just like plays it like so easy with a big smile, like you know. Yep. I mean, there are moments yeah. where I could see his mouth. He moves his mouth with his fingers, which is kind yeah, of yeah, we are, 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 are. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, yeah, like, I, it's okay because he does a lot of really amazing stuff without even flinching. Uh huh. Even just the rift, like he just does that without any problem. Right. Yeah. He is starting. He's starting to get old. I mean, um, from compared to like the last time we saw him in this video, I was watching him now. You can tell, like, oh, he's starting to move a little stiffer. He's starting to. His face is really starting to show, and it's like, oh, damn. But he's still, dude. He's gonna look like fucking George Burns, and playing these, playing these riffs. <laughs> Can you imagine just this old old man up on stage just ripping? I don't know. I hope he just looks great all the time. Yeah. You know, Phil just had a heart attack. 
So mom did? Yeah, in September. Oh, shit. No, I didn't know. He was supposed to do a farewell tour before the pandemic, and then he was going to do it after, you know, late this year, I guess, or continue it, and he had to stop. Is he going to re- try to recover and do another, or no? I don't know. I mean, he seems like he wants to, but I don't know that his doctor told him not to. Or at least oh, okay. right now, not to. I don't know. He's like 70-something. Yeah. That's what I was telling my wife. I was like, Michael Shanker is like your dad's age. And he's just up there rip he's just up there ripping. And imagine 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 your dad up on stage ripping. You know, like what, seventy two? Right. How old is he? Seventy something? Well, let's see. He was seventy. When was he born? 70, I think he's like I think he's like sixty five. That's retirement age. Yeah. Are you sure he's got to be more than sixty-five? Because he was, if he started making an album when he nineteen seventy-two, I was four, so that's fifty years ago. Fifteen, yeah, you're right. He's probably he's probably sixty-seven, something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's the number I was thinking. I just oh, okay. He was seventeen when he got a UFO. Which yeah, was what, 74? 67? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> 65 to it, 67. He's into the there. arena. Into the arena's got a pretty good keyboard break in it, too. Yeah. Yeah, I think Don Airy did great on this album. Like, yeah. I think all the stuff he did was freaking cool, man. Everything he yeah. did was great. It, some of it sounds cheesy for a minute, but it's just... Yeah, for part. a minute. Yeah. Just, you know, the beginning of that one song. But I think, um, I, yeah, I think that dude is, is really talented. You can tell. And he just got, just, you know, Michael just got the best fucking band for this album. Like, he just said, fuck all you mediocre motherfuckers. Like, right. y'all use me. And, and I'm just going to get the best musicians and pay them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he says he never got paid for live shows his whole life. Really? He was, all them UFO yeah. shows. He, yeah, he never. He says he never got paid for live shows until he was in a limo one time going to a gig, and in like the nineties, I think it was, and the and the guy told him like something like he mentioned how much you must make, and then he said, "I don't get paid when I play live." And then, Limo driver's like, dude, some they're ripping you off, man. And so then he went and talked to them, and he's like, you got to pay me. I'm not playing unless you pay me. <laughs> so then he yeah. started to get paid. Wow. I mean, the dude was fucking ripped off by everybody. Wow. Because he says all he cared about was playing music, and there was always food, and he always had a place to live, and so he just didn't think about it. He didn't. He just was happy to be playing, and he was just, you know, cre- being creative, and that's all that mattered. Damn, you know Phil Mogg was getting paid to play live. You know he was. <laughs> Fuck, man, that's crazy. Damn. So then, you know, the other thing that happened is like they got back together in the late '90s, and they did three albums with Michael UFO did, and they're really uh-huh. good, actually. I've been listening to them lately. Um, I actually even the one I thought sucked this album called Sharks that they made in like 2000 or something uh-huh. like that is actually really good. Okay, I'll go check those out, yeah. Yeah, there's three of them, but um he says that Phil approached Oh, one that's called Sands of Time or something like that. Maybe a song is you know, the the first of the three, I can't think of what it is. It's not on iTunes anymore. They took One of the albums has like a desert. I'm not sure. Okay. I can't remember what's on the cover okay. of the first one. One has a shark. <laughs> one has like a UFO, you know, logo. Uh-huh. Real big. 
the, the first of the three, I can't remember. But anyway, so Phil Mogg approached him and said, hey, you know, why don't you uh, join, let's get the band back together with the original guys. And he said, I'll only do it if it's the original guys, and I'll only do it if you give me 50% of the UFO name. And so he did it because he really wanted to do it. So he gave Michael 50% of the UFO name. So they did those three albums, and he said that Phil started acting like a psychopath again, and he brought in um, Mike Varney to produce, and, and Michael warned him not to because he said, you're going to break up you know, the, the teamwork. I don't know which producer he was wanting to work with, but someone that they had worked with before. Uh-huh. And uh, he said Mike Varney came in, and it all got fucked up, and Phil started to be controlling again, and so he left. Um, now, Phil, I heard him give his side and it's totally different he, he says Michael is very problematic I don't know what the truth is but um, he says after you know he left the band he's doing his own thing Phil decides to put UFO back together again with that other the new guitar player he has what's his name uh-huh. what's that guy's name Chapman no not Chapman no he's got one of those Mike Varney guys playing guitar oh okay forget the guy's name. Yeah, I forget too. I think it's Italian name. Um, so he he tells Michael, I need the name back. And Michael says, you know what? Just take it. He gave it back to him for free. Uh-huh. And he said that uh, he didn't even say thank you. And so he's like, you know, um, my brother Rudolph wouldn't thank me for making him making Love Drive and giving them the sound that I created because basically, you know, they they used him to give them the sound that Finney Moore is the guy. Finney Moore, oh, okay, is the guitarist in UFO now. Um, <laughs> he, you know, no, that's right, Finney Moore. Yeah, the the curly haired guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um the Scorpions used Michael to get the to create the sound that they later went on to become, you know, mega f- stars, bigger than yeah. UFO ever was, you know. Michael created that sound. Um Well, looking looking out from nowhere, what does that riff remind you of? I don't know. Rocky like Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the the lead, yeah, and the lead, the lead even sounds like like what Matthias is doing on Rocky, like the Hurricane. Yeah, and this was what fifteen fifteen years before that. Uh, I'd say like seven years. No, seven years, four years. Yeah, Rocky, oh, like Hurricane. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, four years. But. So so basically what he's saying is like he gave those guys their fame by helping them on Love Drive, giving them the sound, teaching them how to do it, teaching them how to, you know, all that stuff. Matthias fucking sounds just like Michael, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, agree? He does. yeah. not as okay. good, but yeah. But um, yeah, because look at all the so, albums that he did with UFO. He had all that experience. So, of course, he's teaching them guys. Yeah. Because their sound was like, you know, Jimi Hendrix. Right, yeah. It, w- it just wasn't the same. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the same. So, right. anyway, what I was getting to was that um, he says, you know, Rudolph never thanked him for that, and and Phil never thanked him for, you know, giving him the UFO name back for free. And he's like, there's something wrong with these people. <laughs> Yeah, and that's good on him for calling him out on it. Yeah, man. I mean, and calling out he, his brother too. The the whole thing with his brother. I want to do a show on this, like just this topic, because I could go so deep into like the whole thing with you. Like, if you would watch, if you watch the same videos I've watched and look into it, and we could just get together, do a show just on like Michael Schenker versus Rudolf Schenker. <laughs> Can we do? You want to? You want to do that next, or you want to do a solve? I don't know about next. I don't know about next, but I'd like to do it. I think it'd be a fun topic. Oh yeah, I could get into that. Yeah. 
because there's a lot of weird shit that we could talk about. Like Matthias even weighs in on it, and because the, the scorpions are starting to talk back, you know. Uh-huh. So um, because first it was just Michael saying shit. Now the scorpions are starting to talk back, and I'm not convinced by anything they say. So um, it's okay. That know. this is interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's very Shakespearean when you think about what they got out of it. Because they, uh-huh. you know, I'll just say, he says that his brother's name, Rudolph, he looked it up and it means wolf who is desperate for fame or something like that. <laughs> a, wolf, a wolf who will do anything for fame. <laughs> even the name, even the name. <laughs> yeah, even the guy's name is he was doomed from birth. <laughs> oh, he's too funny. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really think about what they got out of it. I mean, it's like millions of dollars. And yeah, Michael's like fucking living. You know, he didn't have any money. He never even got paid for live shows. He didn't have any money. Right. Then he talks about going on. In the 90s, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make an album by myself. That's what that's what it spawned. He's like, I'm going to make my my own album by myself on my own label, and I'm going to I'm going to just like go and sell it. And so he makes he makes this like acoustic album. Then he gets on a great. He says he took a Greyhound bus all across the United States and he went to to radio stations and knocked on their doors and said can I can you do an interview with me I have a new album and it was like this acoustic album and he would he would he would do interviews on these radio stations but he wouldn't even call them first he would just like show up and he said he when he got back from that tour it was like 10,000 miles he did like right on the bus or whatever. And he got back home and he said he was rich when he got home. <laughs> really? That's what he says. Yeah. Because the album was selling? I guess. I don't really understand exactly what he meant, but uh huh. it's crazy that he did that. I mean, if he's telling the truth, that's just a crazy thing, man. He just went by himself on a Greyhound bus with two guitars. A guitar and a copy of the album and, I don't know. I, yeah, he must have had copies of the albums to give to the DJs at the station, but um, I don't know. It's it's an amazing story. Wow. And then he was given, he was advertising the newspaper for lessons, right? Dude, yeah. That's the other thing. In the 90s, I remember seeing Michael Schenker, $200 an hour guitar lessons, like in Orange County or something. Uh-huh. And I never did it. I didn't care at that point. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't listening to rock and roll at that point, so I think I don't know. Now I'm maybe I would do. It. I don't know. He seems like a really cool dude. Like, uh huh. I don't know. <laughs> it's crazy to think that you could just go to his house. Yeah, I think I was afraid at the time that he was just like, like down and out and drunk and you know what I mean. Right. Like his career was over because of grunge or whatever, and he was just like miserable and drunk and I don't know that that's the case <laughs> right but that's how I felt at the time <laughs> about him so anyway okay so, go ahead I love the vocal on looking out from nowhere yeah it's it's got that groove groove to it that uh I don't know I really like that vocal I like the melody line the the way he lays the words in there. I thought that was uh-huh. really good. Yeah. My notes say big backup vocals, but in the background as they should be. <laughs> um, there, well, yeah, it didn't stand out to me on that one the way it did on Victim of Illusion. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so this next song, um, Tales of Mystery, do you know about that song? No, I didn't really like it. Um, the song, the music is from a song on Obsession by UFO. Like he took okay. his, it's an instrumental called Arbory Hill. And he took that instrumental and turned it into a song. <laughs> oh. I like the intro. 
I like the acoustic intro. Yeah. Um, I like it. I think it's beautiful. I I uh, I never knew about the obsession because I never had obsession, so I've only uh-huh. heard it like recently, and I was surprised that it was uh, the same song. Kind of interesting, but it's very short. It's not like a long, full-on instrumental. It's just like he does the, the maybe the verse and chorus once, and it's out. I think. Okay. Maybe twice. I don't know, but it's not a long one. So the big finale, Lost Horizons. Yeah, I don't really have anything on that either. It was okay. I mean, well. The one thing I notice is like I always never knew when the drums were gonna come in. It's like boom, 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 uh-huh. and um, I figured it out. <laughs> like I did the counting, and it's like boom, boom, two, three, and no, it's boom, boom, two, and three, and boom, boom, two, and three, and I think that's what it is. Okay, and so and it. And it seems like it's not going to change. It seems like it changes once it starts because it goes dun, dun, dun. But it's still 3-4. It's the same tempo all the way through the thing, and it stays 3-4 all the way through, from all the way to the end, which is pretty badass because you don't really feel it coming. You don't really understand uh-huh. that, that it's in time before the thing even starts. But I spent a little bit of time trying to figure it out. and. Uh, Sometimes it's hard to tell if he's using slide or not, but I think he does use slide on that. Yeah, he does that. You sent me that um, never-ending jam. Uh Uh-huh. And I was losing my mind. I was like, what? It sounds like he's got a slide on each finger. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) What is a never-ending jam? Did I send you something and then forget? Yeah, it's a never-ending jam. He did it with some, him and one other guy. And you remember, I I emailed you back like, "What the fuck is is he using a slide? It sounds like he's using a slide, but he's fretting all these notes at the same time." I was like, "Is he is he fretting it or is he sliding?" Wow! Or it's almost like he's using an effect. I'll send it back to you. Okay, I don't remember. Uh, never ending jam. I was like, holy he's shit. Got, you know, he's got two covers albums. That's oh, yeah. It's him doing the it's him doing the shapes of things. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But there's a, uh, there's a couple other stuff on there, too. And it's like, what the heck is he doing? Yeah. It's hard to tell sometimes. You sure it sounds also like... No, it also almost sounds like a synthes like a in between guitar and synthesizer, but huh. it's like if you had a slide on each finger and were fretting all these but they sound like you're sliding in between. It's totally I, weird. I, the one thing I saw him do on one concert video I was watching, kind of recent. He did do a tapping thing with his right hand, but he just like he was playing a long note with his with his left hand and doing vibrato on it, and he just did like a just tapped it to give it a harmonic, and then just tapped it a couple other times to give it different harmonics, like he did in that Into the Arena video. Maybe that was it. Yeah, he's he's on the low E string, right, and he's holding it, and then he's just like waves his finger over like the twelfth one, and then tap. And then he waves his finger over okay. like the seventeenth one, and then tap. And it kind of reminded me of him making that bell sound. Uh, the way it kind of had like a uh, in it too. Yeah, yeah. But he was like almost like holding the note to right as it's starting to feedback, and then he tap a harmonic, and then he let he let that ring until it's almost starting to feedback, and then tap another one in a different spot. He did like four or five different spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's the album. That song is really great. That that song builds and builds and builds, and um, it's got a great solo. At the end tells. Um, sorry. Lost, Lost Horizons. Horizons. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great ender, album ender. He really made a great album. I think, you know, for his first oh, solo awesome. album, it's like, it's better than his second solo album, I think. MSG? The, Is yeah, that the with second, Macaulay? No, the second one has Gary Barden, but it's, it's just, it's got Cozy Powell on drums, and I don't like it as much. I think Cozy Powell just, it could, I don't know who produced it, I don't remember, but it it has a, like a bigger, more live drum sound. It's uh-huh. not quite as dead as like a 70s drum sound that I like, but but it's like a little too live for me. It's a little too big drum sound for me. I, that's what I always bought, even when I was a kid, I thought that, album just sounded worse than the first one. I don't know, it's weird. Huh. So I, I always felt like he didn't have a good budget, but I think I read that he had a big budget for that album. So I don't know. It's weird. Huh, but big budget, big drum sound. I think that's my, yeah, that's like my least favorite out of the early Michael Schenker solo albums. I think all the other ones are great. I like it, though. I mean, I really do like it. It's uh-huh. just something about the production just kind of bothers me. It always felt like like a compromised record. Well, where does Assault Attack fall in the line of solo? That's next after that. So As he the kicks Gary Barton out. Gets yeah. He gets who? Macaulay? No, he gets uh, the guy. Oh, he gets, Bonham. Bonham. Uh, yeah. Grand Bonnet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right, a hilarious do... story too. We should we should do that. Is that our next one? I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to mix it up or you want to do two shankers in a row. I don't care, man. I'll do whatever. What do you mean, you do pick. two shankers? Well, I mean, I kind of like the idea of mixing it up and doing different topics and coming back to shanker. But, oh, okay. If, but I don't care, really. It doesn't. It's not like anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool. You got any ideas for the next topic? No, we could do Assault Attack. That's my favorite fucking... That's like my... I don't even know if it's my favorite. It might be my favorite Schenker album. All right, let's do do Assault Attack. Okay. All right. That'll be fun, because then I can listen to Assault Attack for the next couple weeks. Okay. With them and have an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Cool, man. All right. Well, thanks. No, thank you. And uh, we'll we'll talk in a couple weeks or so. Okay. I hope you're feeling better. Yeah. Can you can you hear it? It's starting to like creep back up in, in on me. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Get some rest, man. I will. All right, and I'll talk right. to you soon. All right, John. Okay. All right. Bye. I'm going to speak to you in English, so I can't speak to you in German. I want to tell you about uh, some of the hard-working, talented people we got up here. On the drums, the man behind the Jeff Beck group, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, and now we've got him. Cozy Powell! <laughs> on bass guitar, we stole him from Alex Harvey. Man with a big sense of humor, Mr. Chris Clown on bass guitar. On my left here, the discovery of the 80s. Lead vocals, Gary Barnes. And the gentleman here sipping water, all the way from Hanover, Mr. Michael Schenker. We're gonna do another, another track off the MSGL. This is instrumental called Into the Arena.